Welcome to the Bear With Me podcast, where we aim to integrate belief and practice in the Christian life. Hey, here we are. We're Good back. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. We're still in Lent. We are for a while. Yeah. yeah, it turns out it lasts like 40 something days. Yeah. It's like 40 days of Lent plus the, the Sundays. Right. Which is like 46 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's March though. It is March and it feels, I don't know why, but it feels a little bit more like spring. Yeah. Why is that? It's been sunny a few days. Okay. That helps. Uh-huh. Maybe some bulbs sprouting. Yeah. Tulips. I come yet. out in the morning like, oh, it feels a little warmer. But then I realize, I look at the temperature, it's like, oh, it's kind of the same. It's So it's a psychological trick or something. Yeah, definitely. I don't know The March trick. Yeah. Anyway, we're still in Lent. We talked about Lent a lot last time, mm-hmm. right? A lot. So go back to that one. But um, my main idea for our topic today is that Lent, um, I think we, I mentioned this last time on your big Lent intro, but Lent is to the Christian year what a desert is to an ecosystem. Ooh, I Do you love remember it. that part? Yeah. Thomas Merton. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Merton esque, who's yeah. gonna come up a little bit later. Um and I think um and we talked last time, you had brought up how forty days in the Bible comes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um Moses is in the wilderness for forty days or up on the mountain for forty days. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Really? Before the Ten Commandments? days. Well, it was... So, remember how he goes up a few times? It gets yeah. a little confusing yeah. in there. But he's up there 40 days receiving, um, yeah, all the all the commands. Okay. And and some of the instructions for the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. So long, in fact, that the, the folks at the bottom of the mountain are like... Yeah. Where definitely. is this guy? What's going on? Yeah, it's been a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a long time and people get impatient. Um, we talked about Jesus at his baptism or before his, or after his baptism. Yeah. He's in the wilderness for 40 days. Yeah. So these are, this is a significant time span. It's like there's something telegraphed here, like 40 days. Yeah. There's something about it. Yeah. Um, and I, the, one of the thoughts to me was that this idea of Lent sort of being like a, a desert experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. may have something to do with why in a lot of churches in North America, maybe evangelical churches especially, it's not it hasn't been historically as observed. Yes. Although I think that's starting to change it in the last like decade it. or two. Yeah. Like I think more and more more and more folks are like, oh there's something to this. Yeah. There's something to learn here. Yeah, you've noticed that. hmm mm-hmm. Advent too, but Yeah. Lent is different. But it kind of makes sense. Like, who would want to go to the desert for 40 days? Like, some people do. Right. Like, my wife would like to go to the desert. She's the first one I thought of. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, the desert in the sense of um, middle of nowhere, no amenities, Mm -hmm. not a lot of comforts, Mm -hmm. none of the things we're used to, um, that kind of experience. Yeah. Not as much distraction. Yeah, so the things that it brings uh, can kind of be paired with the things that you lose or you miss out on in yeah. the desert. When you miss out on, yeah, a lot of your usual comforts, um, usual routines, mm-hmm. um, the security that the city can bring mm-hmm. or your town can bring or wherever you live, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
So this idea that there's great wisdom behind this tradition that the church wove into their calendar year, this 40 days of preparation, like Mm -hmm. Jesus did it, we should do it. Mm -hmm. We should do some observation or semblance or or marking of this time. Mm -hmm. And every year people who are trying to follow Jesus actually follow him into this part of his Mm -hmm. life as well. Which is so easy to bypass. Yeah. Skip the desert. Yeah. Um, because Jesus went to the desert. Sure did. Driven. Oh, good one. He was driven into the desert by the Spirit. It's yeah. different. Yeah. Rather than saying like, "I'm going to go do this." Yeah, I'm going to go on a spiritual quest. Yeah. Like, driven into the desert it, by I, the Spirit. I picture like put being pushed huh? from behind. You with, have like, to go. You know, your heels up. Like, have you ever pushing. felt that? So yeah, recently a mentor who you know, um, asked me, she said, do you have a sense that maybe you're being driven Hmm. into this Mm -hmm. experience of, I have a couple of experiences that are like a desert right now in my life where there's not resolution in certain relationships. Mm -hmm. And I really like to resolve things. I like to be connected. Yeah. Resolution is nice. It's really nice. Yeah. I think I talked about it on the podcast before. It's like when a seam rips mm-hmm. in a relationship for me, I'm like, so that sucker back up. Yep. Let's get it back to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the seams need to be ripped because there is a better yeah. garment or something being yeah. made. Yeah. Um, so sewing it back up prematurely doesn't actually mm-hmm. respond to what's needed. And so I feel like the... The thread's loose, the yeah. seams are open, and that feels deserty to me. And Having, she said, what if the Spirit, is it possible that you're being driven into this? And mm. that felt so much better to think that there might be a push mm-hmm. into this. Interesting. Yeah. Sitting in the non-resolution. Doesn't that sound lenty? Mm-hmm. Very lenty. <laughs> um, so... Thinking about Jesus going into the desert, like the literal desert, but even just in his life and ministry, into confronting darkness, yeah, into facing death, and all that um, non-resolution. Mm-hmm. Right? So in Lent, we're given that same permission, like like your experience, like mm-hmm. well, maybe this is something that's okay for this season mm-hmm. to see and name the non-resolution of our world mm-hmm. or the darkness of our world. Yeah. And and I think for me, what I've learned in being Anglican now these 15 some odd years is um, is having, um, being able to bring that darkness and that non-resolution into the context of worship. I loved it when you said that last time. It's, and, and I think that's the thing that's, that's like a gaping hole mm-hmm. in the expression of, of church or the experience of church where you don't have that space mm-hmm. where it's all just the, the good stuff, the res we bring the resolution to worship mm-hmm. instead of the non-resolution parts to yeah. worship, which cuts out like a whole swath of the Psalms and the entire book of Lamentations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Job. Right. And Job where it's like, no, this too, God can handle this mm-hmm. and wants us to bring this to him in worship. So our experience mm-hmm. of, at the table of, of Ash Wednesday service and Good Friday service and, and, and those sorts of things is this 
big space to come mm. and say, no, this is the season where we practice grieving, mm-hmm. right? Love in, that. in the context of worship. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> you said it so well, I can't mm. add I can't, to You it. can't. There's nothing else to Mm-mm. say. Um, so getting back to your friend Thomas Merton. Yeah. Um, he wrote that the desert is the climate where prayer flowers. It's like his opening line in his uh, contemplative prayer. Interesting. So it makes me think of the climate of all those things, that, that dislocation, the climate of mm-hmm. desolation, non-resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, disconsolation. It's that space he's saying that's that's where prayer grows into maturity, into effectiveness, into power. Why is that, do you think? Well, he connects it to the space where human comforts are absent, the things that we're usually relying on for our sense of security and belonging and Mm -hmm. comfort. Those are all gone. Mm -hmm. And um, where the, he says, where the the secure routines of our city offers no support. Mm. Um, and the correlation with that is that this is where prayer must be secured by God in the purity of faith. Hmm. So where you've sort of cleared everything else out, the things that you usually go for your comfort, Mm -hmm. your resolution, your sense of who you are and the meaning of life and everything, you've cleared those out in a very uncomfortable way so that you might cling to God in the, in that whole sense of, no, you are my, you are my resolution. You're my ultimate comfort. Mm -hmm. So we're more dependent, more vulnerable, which is more human, more ourselves. It's like, it's not, we're we're not in the illusion that we're, we're fine. We're self-sufficient. Yeah. It's like pulling back a veil. It's not like, I'm going to make myself insecure so I can trust God. So I'm going to reveal how how insecure I really am yeah. and how, how much I really need, yeah. I think is the, the idea behind it. Isn't it a little bit counterintuitive to think that the desert is the climate where prayer flowers? Because it is easy to think that prayer, the best kinds of prayer are when we feel spiritual, when we feel grateful, um, when we're praising, when we're doing well, mm-hmm. when our lives are going well. You kind of think like that would be like a, good season of prayer yeah it's a little counterintuitive but immediately makes so much sense that it's when the seams have Mm -hmm. been ripped a little bit i think yeah i think that those seasons where you feel like you're you you are you're hitting on all the cylinders of prayer or it's Mm -hmm. like you feel like um you have that the um that consolation yeah deep connection yeah I think two things. Like one, it could be misleading. Hmm. It could be. It could be like maybe you're just happy because of these other things. Yeah. But two, it could be because it is really great. Yeah. <laughs> and God is providing those other things. It's a great thing to be thankful for. Yeah. But I think this, what we're talking about here, kind of expands the range of what we can call a good prayer life. Yeah. And says, oh no, when I'm feeling disconsolation that's a sign of something as well mm. that's also a sign of closeness you go back to you know the blessed are the poor in spirit mm-hmm. they're not feeling that cons- like if you're spiritually impoverished the implication is well i don't feel super great yeah. about 
anything, much less my prayer life. Yeah. But yet those are the ones to whom belong the kingdom of God. Wow. So for me, I think the imagination is to expand, well, to expand our imagination of mm-hmm. what, where is God close to us? Mm-hmm. That's where it kind of feels like a win-win. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it, when it feels good, great, celebrate that. But when it doesn't feel good, great, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where God is often the closest. Isn't that interesting? Yes. I think it's interesting. Um, so we the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. that's in Matthew's Gospel. It's the it's chapters five through seven, and it's um, it's Jesus' first big public address in the Gospel. Mm-hmm. So he's just done the desert baptism, the desert. He's come into Galilee, saying, "Good news, Kingdom of God is here. It's right now." And then he has this big inauguration moment, inauguration sermon. I didn't realize it was on the heels of the desert. Yeah. Okay. Desert's, I think, in chapter three. No, it's chapter four. Yeah, it's chapter four. And then he calls a few disciples, and then he goes and does his thing. And um, the Sermon on the Mount is primarily about receiving the kingdom of God. Hmm. Um, And right almost in the exact center of the sermon is Jesus' teaching on prayer. Mm. You may know it. The Lord's Prayer. That's in the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah. I didn't remember yeah, right that. Right in the middle, chapter 6. Okay. And so, right before this sermon, Jesus had just spent his version of Lent mm-hmm. in the desert, 40 mm-hmm. days. And now he's teaching those who would follow him how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Um, and it occurred to me that for a lot of us, prayer often feels like the desert. Yes. Experience. Yes. Right? That is so true. It's like, just can feel dry, can feel empty. You don't feel a lot of consolation or comfort Yeah, often. Yes. It's, I was thinking, hello, and then that echo. Mm. Hello, 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 hello. Right. Like, hello, hello, right. hello. That, I feel like a lot of people say that. Yes. I know sometimes for me in prayer, my mind wanders back to what Merton calls the comforts of my city. Yeah. Oh, I could better spend my time. Definitely. <laughs> I could be getting a lot done right now instead of feeling so mm-hmm. mediocre and distracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doubting. Like, is yeah. this even, is there somebody listening? So it's no wonder that prayer is yeah. difficult. Yes. For so much of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you read the Gospels, so much of Jesus' life and work, you see him finding time and space to pray all over the place. Mm-hmm. Early in the morning, before mm-hmm. everyone else woke up, sneaks away mm-hmm. to some lonely mountain, and they find him praying. Mm. It's as if the secret to his life and ministry are bound up in this life of prayer. Mm-hmm. Finding peace, comfort, and provision, and the power of God in the desert. Don't you want to know what he prayed about? Yeah, do you know? <laughs> no. I don't know if this is a good time to say it, but so I'm doing the spiritual exercises, Mm -hmm. St. Ignatius, and um, there's this part called the election where you articulate your vocation. Mm -hmm. Like what does, what is your real name? And with the idea that your name kind of summarizes who you are and why you're here. Like your first name or your last name? (laughs) You're like meta name. Okay. Yeah. And some people's, maybe their name actually does capture it in terms of oh, its like, meaning. Oh, like 
some name. I mean, no. Like, who are you? Yes, that's the metaphorical idea, okay. but it's not like, I believe I am Sarah. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I see, yeah. It, like, the, you know how Jesus gives people different names yeah. with, the, with the idea that that mm-hmm. name that Jesus gives them mm-hmm. is like their real name? Mm-hmm. So in the exercises, there's this opportunity to discover and articulate what is the thing that I bring to the world yeah. that is uniquely me, mm-hmm. unrepeatable, through okay. Vanessa Marie Caruso. Mm-hmm. And what could I, one way I thought about it, what could I like study, podcast about, write about for the yeah. rest of my life mm-hmm. and never get bored? Yeah. Like what's the thing that gets me? So an example in this Jesuit book I read about discovering your personal vocation was the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this guy yeah, and it was like, even if he hadn't, he couldn't pray about anything else, that always touched him, the mm-hmm. goodness of God. So that was his personal vocation. Yeah. It was, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray towards that, I'm going to live towards that, I'm going to remind myself of that, and I'm going to be that in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. That's my like kind of focus. Mm-hmm. So in this book, the author suggested Jesus had one. Hmm. Jesus had a vocation. Oh, yeah. And he said he thinks he could ca- encapsulate Jesus' vocation with the word Abba. Mm-hmm. So when you talked about Jesus retreating to pray, that it was the source of his ministry, it was what he returned to. Yeah, it it does feel like Abba mm-hmm. uh, captures that mm-hmm. because it's this conversation, it's this relationship from which everything else comes from. That's good. Do you like that vocation for Jesus? I do. Yeah. 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 I do too. Yeah. Surprising a little bit. Yeah, because I think, I mean, I would say yes in part because of our topic this morning, um, or wherever you are in podcast time, um, has, it kind of pops up all over the Gospels, his concern for the Father. Mm -hmm. He reveals the Father. Don't you know me? The Father's with me the whole time. All the time. Um, um, So yeah, that's that's pretty fascinating. Um, So... Yeah, so getting into the Lord's Prayer and the that opening line, mm-hmm. Our Father in Heaven, mm-hmm. um, it sort of shapes the whole prayer. Even what mm-hmm. you're saying with the, the vocation, like Jesus' concern and relationship and intimacy with the Father. Um, and it speaks to that intimacy and power and kind of in the same breath. Mm-hmm. like. You think of all the lines of the Lord's Prayer, you know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, give us this day our mm-hmm. daily bread, and so on. But it starts off with this, our Father mm-hmm. in heaven. Like, he teaches us to pray that, which is pretty interesting. It really is. Right? Yes. So it's just like, this is kind of a special prayer for me uh-huh. and my Father. This is what I say. Yeah. You say. You kind of make up your own. It's like, you know, pray like this. Um. So just, again, combining this with the season or the, the wilderness of Lent or the mm-hmm. desert of Lent with this part of the prayer of our Father. So retraining our, um, maybe our place of comfort mm-hmm. and location and consolation, um, those kinds of things, our security mm-hmm. with our Father. My father. Wow, yeah. Um, and the 
challenge with this is our relationships with our actual fathers. <laughs> That's the main thing. Yeah. So my, my dad was loving and kind and generous and playful, mm-hmm. but he was also absent mm. and short-sighted and weak and hurtful. Mm-hmm. So he had both these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us are somewhere in that <laughs> continuum, right? Yeah, tracks. <laughs> somewhere in there. And it's like, ah. And, and so, you know, to, of course, yeah. that's going to play into how we, how we think of God as our Father. Yeah. And so, but Jesus invites us into his experience of, of what he calls his Abba, mm-hmm. his Father. My father, he says, loves to good gifts, good gifts to his children. My father is kind and good. In fact, if you like me, says Jesus, you'll love the father. <laughs> That's such a nice idea. <laughs> because anyone who has seen me has seen the father. And he'll never leave you alone. And so it invites us into taking the things like with my dad example that were mm-hmm. that fell short of of what you would call a good father. Mm-hmm. You're invited to replace some of those things. Okay, remember though that Jesus' father mm-hmm. is these things mm-hmm. doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. He is always present. He is kind. Yeah. He is generous. Those sorts of things. So Daryl Johnson put it this way. He says, Jesus comes to us, he reveals himself to us, and invites us to follow him into his understanding of the Father. So you can't really do this, I think, without kind of a regular understanding of who Jesus is. Yeah. That's going to be essential for, for being able to pray our Abba, for example. Okay, that reminds me, I can't think of who, I feel like it's an archbishop. It's always a good yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Who said, um, God is Christ-like, and in God there is no unchristlikeness at all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of reversing the idea that yeah. Christ is God-like. Yeah. Like, I would say, we would say like, oh, Andy, Ira looks a lot like you, your son. This is a little bit saying like, we don't know Andy, yeah. but we know Ira, like the people mm-hmm. at his school, let's say. And then when you come in, they're like, oh, you look a lot like Ira. Yeah. Like the one we know. Yeah. That's that when you said we have to get to know Jesus a mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. it's kind of extrapolating what we know right. from Jesus yeah. to God. Yeah. In yeah, a reverse kind of way. And Wright put it this way. He says, we often ask, is Jesus God? Yeah. But that assumes that God is the known thing and Jesus is the unknown. Exactly. And he says, that's a better to reverse that and say, is God Jesus? Yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 Just, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, just another way of putting the same mm-hmm. thing. And um, I think it's a good imagination shift for mm-hmm. us. Say, hey, is God Jesus? Mm-hmm. Is the Father known by knowing Jesus. Because we know a lot more about Jesus, and that was the whole point. Yeah. According to the Gospels, it's like, this is the f- we see the face of God in Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of who God is. Yeah. This is God's choice to say, this is who I am. If you want to know me, know this one. 
And then Jesus says, if you know me, if you, you have seen know. me, then rest assured, yeah. you know God. Yeah. I remember Trevor Hudson gave the exercise uh, to write a column with God, mm-hmm. then next to it, a column with Jesus, put associations with God on the left-hand side. I should put that in the show notes. Oh, good idea. Um, associations with God on the left-hand side and associations with Jesus on the right-hand side, mm-hmm. and then try to reconcile them kind of backwards. Right. Like, let the Jesus column... Mm-hmm. What's another word for Trump? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to know? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to redo my vocabulary. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. superimposed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just that feels like the, that thought experiment yeah. to really identify mm-hmm. where there's lack of reconciliation. Yeah, that's good. That's a great exercise for for us. Um, yeah. So just thinking about how you, you read through the Gospels, there's in if you read through the Gospels with an eye to what does Jesus say about the Father? How often does he refer to the Father? It's, you start to notice it a lot more. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And to pay attention to it. Because there's a love between the Father and the Son that comes out that in prayer we're invited into. Mm-hmm. We're ushered into that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we pray our Father, you can have in your imagination the Father and the Son and yourself kind of in that moment. I think that's that's intentional. I think that's what we're invited into. Okay, I hadn't actually thought of that. I kind of thought our as in humanity. Mm. Like I that was the accent for me on our father yeah. is oh I don't I'm not praying alone like yeah. my father. Mm-hmm. I'm remembering that I'm part of a family. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought it's a, another way you could read that is Jesus is saying he's we're including siblings. himself in the our. Yeah. Our father. Yeah. Like, do you ever talk to your siblings and you say by accident, well, my mom said, and then you're like, yeah. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't know. She's uh-huh. your mom too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh-huh. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I think he included himself. And even if he didn't, he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like the, the intimacy between the father and the son are so close mm-hmm. that you can't, you really can't get one without the other. Mm-hmm. So. It also makes me think, what are all the other words that could have started that prayer? Like, I'm, we're so used to the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. for those of us who grew up with it or pray it regularly. But so we're like, Our Father who art in heaven, how will be I name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is a bit surprising that that's, those are the first two words. Like, I might have guessed it would be um, our God or. Dear Holy One, yeah. or Almighty God, yes, yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Or Judge of the Nations, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, it changes the feeling yeah. of the prayer. Yeah, who happens to be our Father? Yes, <laughs> 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 Sir, dear mm-hmm. Sir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, our Father, to whom it may concern. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, like you could meditate on that for a long time, I'm realizing now, the Our Father. I There's this philosopher, Meryl Westfall, who said, I've said it before because I love it, in the beginning was relationship. That's how he summarizes 
Genesis. In the beginning was relationship. And it, this yeah. prayer feels like it's saying the same thing in yeah. two words. Yeah. In one word, really, but. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's that relationship between the Father and the Son, um, it didn't have, it doesn't really have a beginning. That's weird. Yeah. Um, because we believe that the Son is co-eternal with the Father. Yeah. So we talked about, and remember when we did the origins classes, one of the major themes was mm-hmm. that God has always been a family and that it's not something he invented or created for mm-hmm. us. It was like, no, that's the default. Mm-hmm. Like that's, there's no such thing as non-family mm-hmm. ever in mm-hmm. the creation or non-creation. Yeah. And so this idea that family is optional for us or this sense of belonging to to other people and to to God is is an alien idea. Hmm. Like family or community isn't an optional add-on. Right. For a human person. That's interesting. It's super interesting. Um yeah. Uh, okay, in the exercises, there's, I don't know the like Latin word for it, but um, there's this opportunity to contemplate the Trinity deciding what to do, um, like, like imagining the three, talking about what do we do? Sh- should one of us go down there? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? Mm-hmm. Who would we send? Mm-hmm. What are the risks of that? What are the benefits of that? And so it's like an imaginative prayer exercise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to what you're saying, not God being like, hmm, how am I going to fix things? Right, right. But the Trinity, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. contemplating together mm-hmm. the incarnation yeah. and and the what the cost of the incarnation would likely mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. and deciding together, mm-hmm. shall we get close to humans that way? Mm-hmm. Shall we make yeah. ourselves known that way? Yeah. And then electing one of them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. A helpful exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start off with our father in heaven mm-hmm. and we're invited into this intimacy as we've been talking about, which again, just frames the whole, the whole thing, the whole prayer, because we're called into, and he right puts it this way, we're called by calling, by calling God father, we're ushered into the family business Mm. and the family business is participation in the kingdom of God Mm. or the world turned upside down. If you read through the Beatitudes, you read through the Sermon on the Mount, it's Mm. like, it's all about the world getting turned upside down Mm. and its value system and everything else. Evil gets confronted, darkness gets faced. So mm. Going into the desert, let's face this stuff. That's the that's God's business, mm. and we're invited into it not by ourselves, but like, no, this is what the family does. We go into the desert, we experience Lent in this world, we push against these things mm. in our prayer and in the work that God gives us to do. Mm. Um. You see it by following Jesus, the sense of following Jesus deeper into the desert or into the Garden of Gethsemane at the very end. Yeah. 
Um, and, and we see it at the cross as well, right? What confrontation with this darkness looks like. Mm-hmm. But we also see the other side of it. In calling God our Father, we see our salvation. We see the resurrection. We see the death of evil and the death of death itself. Death of death. Yeah. Death Whoa. dies. Wow. Um, that was our Ash Wednesday theme. Oh, my God. Death to death. <laughs> Jeez. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Death, death to dies. death. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah. Death dies. Yeah. Death of death. Mm-hmm. Wow, cool. Um, so, our Father in Heaven isn't just God, our Father does wants the best for us. He does. He does want the best for us. But He's also has the authority and the power to see it done. So, it's the in heaven part, I think. Mm. Throne okay. of heaven. Intimacy. And power. And power. So, it's nice to have a good dad who's kind, but if he's kind of a pushover and a weakling and can't actually advocate for you in any meaningful way. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I love dad. Mm-hmm. He's got really great intentions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to have a dad who's actually powerful. Yeah. Like, no, uh-uh, that's not. Whoa. No child of mine. Mm-hmm. No, you, no. <laughs> a lot of You're, no's. Yeah. Wow, I'd never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Our father who's in heaven. That's my kid. You step away, sir, right now. Or you're going to have some trouble. Like that kind of dad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That's a good dad. <laughs> Not just the nice and kind, but the... Both. Mm-hmm. The good. Ooh, that's kind of... That makes me feel things. Yeah. That's the in heaven part. I like that. That's what... The in heaven is kind of then saying. That's the power part, the capability... The, I don't know how to say it, but it, the otherness mm-hmm. of yeah. God. Yeah, the okay. power, the yeah. authority, mm-hmm. the strength. Hmm. So this is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. That anyone who would seek to follow Jesus says, this is how you pray. That's the other piece that we didn't really talk about, and Daryl Johnson picks up in this in his book, is like, we don't have to wonder, is this an okay prayer? Is this an effective prayer? It's like, this is the prayer that Jesus gave us. Wow. So, it's probably reliable. <laughs> yes. It just makes me feel stupid about how much time I've spent like trying to craft mm. really good prayers. Mm. I don't mean for public consumption. I just mean on my own, like searching for the words and the feelings and just the angst I've experienced. Yeah. Well, I think there's like, it's a very, it's a very simple, but also very broad type of prayer Mm -hmm. in general in a lot of ways, even Mm -hmm. though it's like has, it's specific too. Mm -hmm. like our father in heaven is a very specific location, identity, relationship, Mm -hmm. like covers a lot of ground. But then you're looking at our, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our mm-hmm. daily bread. Deli- uh, mm-hmm. Forgive us our sins as we forgive, deliver from evil. Mm-hmm. Um, like you go a lot of places with each of those lines, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. You, could spend, a, you oh. could spend a day on our Father in heaven. Yeah, easily. Yeah? What is your kingdom come? What does that mean? We'll read through the Sermon on the Mount. You get a lot of ideas immediately like, oh, when you say pray your kingdom come, you mean 
this, this, and this. Or you can look at Jesus in the Gospels. Oh, kingdom come is sight to the blind. Oh, kingdom come is touching the untouchable. Oh, kingdom come is raising the dead. You know, and mm-hmm. so on. You can make you can make your lists. Like, okay, when you say pray your kingdom come, you're asking me to pray for these specific things in my life and the world around me. Mm. So you get lots of ideas yeah, about lots. what kingdom come looks like, which is kind of an abstract thing yeah. until you start putting the data points down. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's kingdom come, huh? Hmm. I can pray for that. Um, I'll just finish up with this. Great. This prayer takes us into the heart of Jesus' relationship with his Father, and it shows us who God is and what he cares about. If you pray these things, these are God's priority, what God cares about. Um. And so, just like the theme of the Sermon on the Mount, the theme of the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. is bringing God's kingdom to earth. Hmm. Um, to transform our broken and dark world. Hmm. And Lent gives us the season to be honest about how broken and dark it is mm-hmm. in the presence of God and to transform it into the kingdom of God. So, one practice... And maybe you can mm. think of one too okay. while I share mine, if you have one. For Lent is to pray the Lord's Prayer. And one idea okay. is take, you could, I used to think take a line for each day of the week because you kind of, you can break it down to seven lines. There's different ways to break it up, so oh. I don't want to get into that. But there's, you could do one line. Oh, I like that. Each day of the week. But for Lent, you could do, although we're already into, oh, is it week three? Three. Lent, you could do one for each week. Wow. Anyway, however you want to do it, one, take a line a day or a line a week and mm-hmm. just let that shape how you pray for yourself and others. Mm-hmm. So if it's our Father in heaven, mm-hmm. it's like, God, remind me that you are my Father in heaven. And mm-hmm. all the things we talked about, that you're kind, you're generous, you care, you're present, all those things. You could pray that for your neighbor, for your family. Mm-hmm. You can pray for all the needs around you through the lens of our Father in Heaven. I love it. Like, let it be the opener yeah. for your prayer. That yeah, or even or the theme of yeah. what kind of carriers are praying. You can pray for all sorts of things, yeah. but just let it kind of be that the source or the, the root of the prayer or the theme of the prayer or the lens of the prayer is Father in Heaven. I like that because one of the things that keeps me from praying is overwhelm. Like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. And how do I remember all the needs? Yeah. And what do I say about them? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of block. Yeah. The perfectionism, which leads yeah. to procrastination, mm-hmm. which leads to not praying. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is a way around that. It's saying, Jesus said, this is a good prayer. Taking yeah. the first line and letting that guide me, mm-hmm. knowing that there will be tomorrow, next week, where yeah. I'll... How would be your name? Yeah. Something else good. Yeah. Something else good. I like it, and it's yeah. a great idea. And it roots your prayer life in the in the relationship rather than in the things around you, mm-hmm. which I think is the actual only hope for the things around you, mm-hmm. is if you're actually rooted in this relationship with our Abba. 
Mm-hmm. Well, those are my thoughts for the day. Wow. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> One idea that came to mind when you said mm-hmm. a practice was yes. that I've rewritten the Lord's Prayer a few times yeah. just in my own words mm-hmm. and not trying to sound cool, like not for anyone else to read, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> as a way to try to understand what it means and to personalize it. So that comes to mind. Yeah. As as something to do. That's a good idea. To kind of translate it mm-hmm. as honestly as possible. Yeah. I think that Do you have an example? Yeah. That you can put in? Oh yeah, I can put an example in. Mm-hmm. Um but what sparked that was I think Nadia Bolts Weber did it. And I read our daily rice. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember you did share this one before. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So much of the world, that mm-hmm. would be the more accurate mm-hmm. word there. And so that kind of sparked my imagination. I, I mean, looking at the messages version would be great, too. Yeah. Of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll put those in the notes. Yeah. Great. Cool. What cool. are we going to talk about next? Time. I don't know. Me neither. Maybe we could do more of the Lord's Prayer, or um, if you've got something, okay, we'll think about it. it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, ish. Yeah, yeah. still Lent, maybe. Yeah, maybe the end of Lent. We'll see. Okay. okay. Thanks, Thanks, Vanessa. This was fun. Yeah. Good times. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>